Hey there, folks, it's Robin, and I'm popping in to talk to you about clean water because I'm going to be honest, I've been worrying about the contaminants in our tap water, and I knew I had to find a solution, you know, something reliable and effective. And that's when I discovered AquaTrue, and it's been a game changer for my family. AquaTrue's purifiers, they're basically like superheroes for your water, using a four-stage reverse osmosis process to tackle even the toughest contaminants. With PFAS, you know, those pesky forever chemicals making their way into nearly half of U.S. tap water, it is a relief to know that AquaTrue is certified to just kick them to the curb. Plus, their range of purifiers fits every home, from countertop setups to under-sink options. They've even got a Wi-Fi-connected model for the tech-savvy among us. And let's talk about those filters, okay? Long-lasting and affordable, they are a dream come true. There's no more like swapping them out every few months. AquaTrue's filters go the distance and last up to two years. Since switching to AquaTrue, I have noticed a huge difference. The water tastes cleaner, it's fresher, and the best part, I no longer have to worry about what's lurking in my tap water. Even my kids are drinking more water because of the ease of the countertop setup. AquaTrue comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee and even makes a great gift. Today, our listeners are going to receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier. Just go to AquaTrue.com, that's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com, and you're going to enter the code HEADSPACE at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue water purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use promo code H-E-A-D-S-P-A-C-E. Go get it. Shopify's already taken the cash register online, helping millions sell billions around the world. But did you know that Shopify can do the same thing at your retail store? Give your point-of-sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS is your command center for your retail store. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify has everything that you need to sell in person. And with Shopify, you get a powerhouse selling partner that's going to effortless unite your in-person and online sales into just one source of truth. You're going to be able to track every sale across your business in one place and know exactly what's in stock. You could connect with customers inline and online. And Shopify, it's going to help you drive store traffic with plug and play tools built for marketing campaigns. So we're talking about TikTok to Instagram and beyond. Get hardware that fits your business, take payments by smartphone, transform your tablet into a point of sale system, or you can use Shopify's POS Go Mobile device for battle tested solutions. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. I say do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash headspace. That's all lowercase. So you're going to go to shopify.com slash headspace to take your retail business to the next level today. I'm going to say it one more time. Shopify.com slash headspace. Hello, everyone. It's me again, Robin. And I am excited to report that my partner in chat today is none other than 
Rosie. Woo! And we have some important questions that we're going to be tackling today. We're going to be talking about wanting to overcome shyness and social anxiety. We're going to be talking about doubting your abilities and always thinking that you should or could do better in sports. And we also have a question about how to forgive and take care of yourself after an emotionally abusive relationship. We've got lots of big questions, so let's get started. Have you ever wished you had a wise meditation teacher on speed dial? Someone you can call after a long day. Someone you could lean on for their advice. Someone to listen and help you to see things differently. Welcome to Dear Headspace, a podcast where I sit with a meditation teacher and we answer your questions. Rosie, look at us back together again so Yay. soon. Yeah. It's always so much fun. Right. I love when the schedule just aligns. And I and you're you're we're subbing in today. So we have like so your sound is a little bit different, but we're so glad that you were available. I'm it's my pleasure. And always it's it's so good to have these chats. And yes, sound issues where it's just gonna <laughs> pretend like they're not there. It's as if they're not happening. They're not happening. It's not happening. Well, we have some really thoughtful and also really relatable questions today. So I am glad that you are in the hot seat alongside me. And our first question is from Colleen, who wants to talk about overcoming social anxiety. So should we get right to it? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. Here is Colleen. Hi, dear Headspace crew. My name is Colleen, and I'm currently living in Pennsylvania in the U.S., My question for you today centers around social anxiety and self-judgment. For years, I've struggled with shyness and feeling accepted in social settings, which I suspect is rooted in some pretty challenging peer experiences I faced in my adolescence. To cope, I've cultivated a really strong practice of compassion for myself and for others. And while that's helped, I still have a pretty difficult time when it comes to taking up space or putting myself out there in social settings. It's especially difficult for me to take part in group conversations. I spend so long listening to others and then second-guessing myself while I try to figure out the right thing to say that I often just stay silent. The period of isolation so many of us experienced during the pandemic really showed me how much I crave connection and community. So my question for you is, how can mindfulness help me push past my insecurity and self-judgment to grow closer to others? Thank you and be well. Well, thank you for this question, Colleen. There was a couple of things that really jumped out at me. Like I I thought that Colleen was going to say that the pandemic was bad for her, but instead she was kind of like it it made me aware of something, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. But I also I heard and I'm I'm curious what you think about that is like she called it like her insecurities and I, and I just felt like she was judging herself and there's more like this is just an anxiety versus something you're doing wrong. I don't know. I just that, that jumped out at me and I was like, well, be nice to yourself, Colleen. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Robin. You know, there is a big difference between just having general anxiety and having social anxiety, right? When we're in social settings, a lot of the time, for, for many people, I, I know that there's a good majority of people that struggle with this. We have this sort of fear of being judged by others or not being accepted or being chastised or or something, you know, things that, yeah. that all or saying the, the wrong things, thing, saying the wrong yeah. thing. And what happens a lot of the times with these social settings, and I, I can relate in my younger years because I had the same type of social anxiety because I would go into situations or when I first started practicing yoga or I first started going into 
a studio, I just felt so foreign in that situation. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, and I was so new. I didn't know what to do. I, I, I didn't know the what the poses were. And teachers would be, you know, saying these Sanskrit pose names, and I had no idea. And I just look around <laughs> and just see, and like I just knew it was not great, right? So. I think in situations like that, a lot of the times, and it sounds like Colleen's experience has has been the same. We go into the state of self-criticism and self-judgment. Yes. You know, we instead of coming into a situation like, I'm really nervous about going into this new space and just saying it and naming it, we go into this place of something's wrong with me. What did yeah. I say? Oh, I'm gonna say something wrong. And it keeps us from potentially connecting with people. And, and the reason why we get social anxiety from my experience is we have such a deep desire to connect, right? We just want to be accepted so bad. We want to yeah. be loved. And I think that it's it's really great that she's already taken some steps to mm-hmm. being kind to herself and incorporating self-compassion and, and self-acceptance. One of the One of the things that I find was really helpful for me. And and anytime I've encountered this question and how meditation can help is when we enter our meditation practice, we're guided to be innately curious of what's coming in. We're innately curious of our thoughts, of what's happening in our minds, the quality of thoughts without judgment. That's the idea. Yeah. And so if we're able to continually practice that, we can then take that into our everyday life. When we go into a social setting, go into a social setting feeling curious and trying to not be self-judgmental. Yeah. It's so interesting because I feel like Sam talks a lot, and and I've heard you talk about this as well, about talking to herself in these situations and being like, Sam, you're just scared or you're just, you know, and I was thinking about that, having that awareness, because it does seem like Colleen has all kinds of awareness as what's going on, not just that of what the problem exists, but also what she wants. Yeah. I always think that's a great place to be because then there's something to be done about it. So it's like there's self-soothing that can be done. You're mentioning the meditation practice. I always think about sometimes it takes me, because I grew up like little, little, little white trashy upstate New York. <laughs> just a little, just a little bit. And, <laughs> and, and I remember like being around friends who came from like wealthy families and being like, I don't know how I'm acting at this table and like just being afraid I'm going to use the wrong fork or do the wrong thing. And so I just like I learned to just look around at other people and just kind of mimic what was happening. But I still had all the fear. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know, so it's like so I think while I think the awareness is helpful that what's happening, like my technique is just like a fight or flight. Yes. And what you're talking about is the exact opposite of like coming into your body. And right. and that just seems like such a better approach. Because like, I think of all the fear I had you're and like everything. <laughs> it's like, just if you get uncomfortable, just go into the bathroom and take some deep breaths. <laughs> then come back out and see where they're at. I love what you're saying because I think most of us just go into panic mode whenever we're in a situation where we don't feel like we're going to fit in. And I think it's natural for us to feel that. And I, I really do like Colleen's approach already. So and it's almost like she's asking the question, but she's also answering yeah. the question. So I I would say to her just to keep doing what you're doing, continue to use meditation as a practicing tool for your thoughts when they come up and any sort of 
self-judgment that may arise when you're in these situations to quell your desire to run, <laughs> you know, because that's that's really what it helps us do is to stay in that discomfort. Thoughts come and go in our mind and part of our, our practice as mindfulness students and teachers is to be able to notice what we notice and, yeah. and that's the best thing to do. And I think part of the noticing is understanding that many of us feel this way. Everyone has their moments where we feel othered or we don't yes. feel like everyone else. And so to me, I agree with you 100%, Rosie, that it's so wonderful that Colleen already recognizes that there's a path to this, which is mindfulness. And a little little hand on the heart, like all the teachers say, and a little kind self-talk, will, that'll get you really far in this situation. This is true. I agree. <sighs> all right, Colleen. Well, good luck. And I, I'd love to know how you're doing. Let us know. Yeah, keep us posted. All right. We are going to thank you for your question, Colleen. We're going to move on to our next question from Ned. All right. Here we go. Hi. My name is Ned and I'm from London. I've recently started to play competitive sport. I'm always training and trying to improve my skills, but no matter how hard I work or what I achieve, I find myself thinking that I can always be better. This sometimes leaves me feeling sad about my ability. What is your advice on dealing with this feeling? Well, that's such a hard question because you just hear the pressure that Ned's putting on himself of always wanting to be the best. And it just feels like that feels like it's a recipe for the goalpost being moved and never, ever feeling fully fulfilled is what it sounds like as a starting place. Ned, good on you for doing what you're doing. I mean, it sounds like you're doing something that you really love and enjoy. And I always find this with athletes and people that really love to do sports. It it just brings a different kind of joy to their lives. And I think competitive sports is amazing. I think it it does create for some people that, that drive that they're looking for in order to feel like they're progressing in life. And other people just, I can tell, enjoy doing the sport just to do the sport. And look, this this goes back to what we were just talking about earlier. It goes back to self-doubt and us not feeling like we're good enough. And I think it's really important for us to, again, go back to the practice of mindfulness and really question what our intention is. Like, what is the yes. reason? What, like, where is that coming from? Where is your desire to achieve and succeed. You know, when I I first started running, I never considered myself a runner and I still don't. I've ran four marathons and I still would not consider myself a runner. I don't have a runner's quote unquote body. I, you know, my my knees are not good and my stride <laughs> is not great. You know, it's like I, I've I've had all the assessments and to me running is like my first form of meditation. I didn't actually start running until I was 20. So it wasn't something that I did as as a kid. But what I found was signing up for these marathons or, or doing something that provided a sort of goalpost for myself so I can see that I can get better and build stamina was really helpful for my self-esteem because yeah. not only was it providing an opportunity for me to you know, get all the feel good endorphins and it was making me healthier and it was making me make better choices overall because it was affecting my 
performance, my athletic ability, but it just was making me feel more grounded. Now, the more that I did it, the more I felt that competitive urge come out where I was in a running group and I knew I wanted to sort of, I didn't want to be better than, than I, there's no way. I mean, I just, I, I was not as experienced as some of the people in my running group, but I did want to be at the top of my running group. I didn't want to be like a lagger, right? And so I worked so hard that once I got to the top, my coach moved me into a faster division and I became the last person in that <laughs> division. Like, Damn it. Yeah, but but to me, it, you know, just just to go back to to Ned's point, for me it was helpful to have that experience because I was fighting so hard for something because I felt like if I could win, quote unquote win, there's no winning, right? But it's like if I could yeah. win, then that meant I was good. Yeah. That I was enough. And so having the experience of getting to the top and now going back down to the valley after climbing that hill was a little bit disheartening for me, but it also made me realize the sort of irony of, oh, here I am racing to get to the top. There's going to be another hill to climb. And it really allowed me to pause and take stock and go back to my my first point that I said, what was my intention? And so I would ask Ned to examine that for him. What does that mean to him? What is what is it doing for him? And how is it serving his overall well-being? Yeah. Uh, like it's so, you said so many things that jumped out at me. That was the first one, though. It's like, why are you doing this? Because I'm an incredibly, incredibly competitive with myself and with like anything that moves. I'm like, I can beat it. Like, it's just like it's and it's sometimes it's really wonderful. And like I accomplish a lot of things, but then sometimes it's really horrible because I'm so hard on myself. And I've I've gone back to playing tennis. I played in high school. And one of the reasons I stopped playing is because I was it was a solo sport and I was so up in my head that it became became like torturous to play. And I got back for like the love of the game. And I actually play with one of the producers on the show. We play regularly. And I have been thinking lately about every time I step on the court, just being like, can I lose better? Can I play a little better than I did yesterday? And when I get out there and when I start feeling myself get really competitive, I start thinking about what I love about the game. And about, I start thinking about like the enjoyment I'm getting from not thinking about my life or like even as there's a moment where I'm stopping and serving, I will breathe and I'll just take in like I'm outside, I'm playing, I'm with a friend. This is, you know, it's like just to get myself back to the whole thing that I love about it in the first place. Mm. Otherwise, I'm just... It'll never be enough. Like your your example of being moved, like it was like, I came to the top of the mountain and then you were just at the bottom of the next mountain is just like so real. It's so real. You'll always be moving the thing of what success is. But like, did you have fun? Were you proud of being moved up? What what came out of that? Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm with you. I, I love what you said. You said something that's really poignant. How do I become good at losing? And I think for many of us, we're, we lose all the time. And most of the mm -hmm. time, it doesn't affect us because that's just part of life. That's why the wins are so idolized because they're rare. They don't happen all the time. And so I think if we're, we go back to this humbling of sorts mm -hmm. where we can really observe what our intentions are and, and be more mindful about how we're approaching a situation, especially yes. something 
that's supposed to bring us joy. Just like you said, you know, it took you back to the game. It took you back to the reasons of why you loved doing what you do. So I, I don't know. I love that. I think that that's a really great place for, for Ned to start. Yeah. And also, Ned, winning is not black or white. You know, like I could play a, a match and I could lose three of the six games, but still win. So then it's like, so I try to go in like, what's my intention for today? All right, I'm just going to focus on this one thing and let's see if I can improve a little. And so it's breaking it down into these little things that where there's opportunities for me to improve. Otherwise, it just is too daunting. And the the producer on the podcast, Baron, he was telling me that there is in the app, and I, I have to tell on myself, I have not listened to it just yet, but it's now, Ned, you're reminding me that I want to do it. There's a, a course on competition in this in sports that is by Andy and it's in the app. So I feel like that would be something to really check out because it's so hyper-focused. I love that. I'm going to check it out. All right. And then in the meantime, Ned, like, let's get together. Let's have a game. Let's see who wins. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Like, you have this, Ned. It's To me, it's just wonderful that you're out there and you're doing it. Just, like, look for your small wins. That's what I say. Yeah. The fact that you're here and you're asking this question is already a step in, in the right direction. You're being mindful of the inner dialogue, and I think you're already in such a great place. Well, thank you for your question, Ned. All right. We will be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, here is a question from Matt. Hello, my name is Matt and I live in Florida. And my question would be, how do I trust myself after getting out of an abusive relationship myself or anybody for that matter? Um, just as a little background, I recently, last week, just got out of a year and a half emotionally abusive relationship and was gaslighted, majority of it, to believe that all of the issues that we were having were my fault among other things, and that I was the person who was the monster or the person who was abusing. And even though in reality, I was the person being abused and really didn't realize it until a couple of weeks ago. And um, just having a hard time grounding myself and remembering that and trusting myself again and loving myself. And I want to know how I can forgive myself, forgive that person and move past that in a healthy manner. And I've never been able to do anything like that in a healthy manner. Any time I've ever gone through heartbreak, I've always tried to numb out the pain. And I really want to sit with it this time and learn from it. And I don't know where to begin. Oh, Matt, this is just such a big question. I mean, you have so much in here. You have heartbreak. You have someone who is gaslighting you. And then 
a, a need or a longing to treat yourself in a healthy way as you, you know, try to come out of this not so great situation. So I just I just want to start off by just saying I'm so glad you reached out. This is a tough space. Yeah. Congratulations, by the way, on getting out of a not good situation. It sounded like you were not in a great relationship and good on you for recognizing that you were being gaslit. So many times I've heard this story so many times, Robin, where people are in relationships and they don't realize that they're getting gaslit. And it can be so emotionally, it could wreak havoc on on your entire life. It's so insidious because the people doing it are so, it's so surgical and it happens over time, you know, just in your head. It can make you really doubt yourself and you can hear it in Matt's voice. Yeah. And I think that what he's saying too is is so poignant. He said, how can I forgive the person that I was with and also forgive himself? And I think that what happens a lot of the time, I, I've experienced this and I'm sure in your life, you've experienced this as well. And the first thing that I do want to say is my journey with this and being in in a relationship where I was being gaslit constantly. I saw a therapist, which I highly recommend because it was so incredibly useful. I learned so many tools and I, I really got into a place in that experience where forgiveness was possible. And I think that you recognizing this, Matt, and seeing where you're at in your life, knowing that forgiveness is something that you're aspiring to, you're already off to a really great start. Yeah. But it, it but it can be very difficult to grapple with these feelings because a lot of the times what happens when we feel so strongly about something and somebody tells us that we're not <laughs> or that yeah. we feel a certain way and then they say, no, you don't there's such a cognitive dissonance that happens in your brain because you you're feeling the feelings but you're also having the person that you care about the most say that you're not yeah. and so you're having this experience and you're also being negated the experience so and it can make you doubt who you are and what you believe about yourself yeah and and i think that the more the more insidious issue that happens in my experience from friends or people that I know that have dealt with a similar situation is the break of self-trust that happens. Yeah. Right? Because then we feel like we can't trust our own judgment anymore. We feel mm-hmm. like we can't make a decision or we can't trust a feeling or we're constantly questioning ourselves and is this going to happen again? Maybe they were right. Maybe I was wrong. And it creates a, a a lot of uncertainty within ourselves. And I think that one of the better remedies when you're getting out of the situation is to learn to rebuild that self-trust, to learn to rebuild your self-confidence and, and your ability to learn to discern what mm. I'm feeling, how I'm feeling it. And I think that going back to mindfulness, it's, I mean, to me, this is my wheelhouse, right? It's its the place I always go to because it's the place where I feel the most at home. It's actually the place where we can begin to recognize what our own truth is, what our own experiences, what our own emotions are. And I think starting at that point and recognizing it is really helpful to begin this process. I do believe that forgiveness is possible. I, I believe that you start with self-forgiveness first. Yeah. And I'd be curious your experience with this, Robin, because there is that component of 
self-forgiveness that needs to happen because we feel so guilty. Yeah. I mean, like I, I had a, a partnership that was like this and it I, I was kind of like, how did I allow myself to be treated like this for so long? And and I, that's why I think like your shout to like therapy or mindfulness work is important because I think that sometimes in these situations, a person can get into your head in a way that's so like shuts off other voices and you may need to untangle that with another person because I know for me, there was a part of me that's like, maybe I am that, maybe I was yeah. that, maybe I did do that. And then I'd be like, but no, I know I didn't. And no, I, you know, yeah. it's like other people don't think that about me. And it's like, it took me a solid six months to a year to really clean that up. So I think wow. patience with yourself is really yes. important. If a person is good at telling you you are bad, it will take you a minute to untangle that. Yeah. There's so many layers. And I feel like when you get out of a situation like that, I mean, it's an abusive relationship. 100%, I mean, I, I see it 100%. as an abusive relationship. You you feel so broken down that you really need to give yourself the, the grace and the space to heal, to allow yeah. yourself to get back to a place of peace, a place of clarity. And I think that you're definitely on the right track, but I wouldn't necessarily rush to the forgiveness portion either, right? Really allow yourself yeah. the time and the space to get there. I know that there's one of my friends is going through a similar situation and she just wanted to go through all of these processes so quickly after yeah. being with somebody for five years. She yeah. wanted to just heal in a month and just start, you know, fresh. And I I appreciate the sentiment uh, and desire to move forward, but it was a very chaotic relationship. And I just was explaining to her that it, it's going to take time and you're going to have highs, you're going to have lows. And that's yeah. that's part of the process. You're going to have moments where you doubt, where you feel angry, you might feel sad, and and it's okay to have the spectrum of emotions be present. And, and that's why, yeah. again, I'll go back to what I said in the beginning. I always recommend working with a therapist or a mental yep, health yep, professional yep. so that they can really help you move through all of the emotions that come up when you are getting out of this type of abusive relationship. Well, and let's talk about the the back half of Matt's question. You know, he mentioned that he wants to come out of this and he wants to treat himself well, and it's not something that he's been mm. able to do in the past, how would you approach that? You know, because I, I can think of all the negative, harmful behaviors that I have. And and sometimes I'm in, I have the ability to be like, no, I, my body is a temple. I will be super nice to myself because I deserve it. And then there's other times where I'm like, I am definitely jamming this ice cream in my face because right. I feel really bad about X, Y, and Z. So how do we say to Matt, do the first part, not the second, when we're all human and we all fall and, and have these moments? Yeah, well, I, I think it just goes back to having the intention be clear because you don't want to beat yourself up for going into the numbing experience. Yeah. Most, most of us do that. We have some sort of numbing mechanism that we are drawn to. Some people yeah. like to drink. Some people like to eat. Some people like to engage in you know other types of activities. And I think recognizing it is important because we know, okay, this is part of that type of behavior that isn't really serving me. I'm recognizing it. I'm consciously engaging in it. And it's just going to be what it is. My only ask is for you, Matt, to not beat yourself up about it, you know, and to to really set the intention of understanding what what is it that's happening. A lot of the times we 
nobody wants to feel bad emotions. So like nobody's out there looking to feel bad. You know, I have some artist friends that it's like the tortured artist and they like to live in this sort of experience. And, and that is, you know, a different thing, but, but I feel like generally most people don't want to live in a state of despairing emotions. We want to be able to be in a state of contentment, in a state of peace, in a state of clarity. And when we don't have that experience and we're not used to dealing with the tough emotions, a lot of us will go towards doing things that are going to take our our mind off of it. Now, there are great ways to deal with those types of feelings. You can go for a walk. You can go you know, listen to music, you can call a friend, you can journal, you know, journal, you can, you know, do a, a, an array of things that is going to help you work through emotions. You can just sit there and, and name the emotions. You can record a voice note of yourself talking through yeah. what you're going through. And I think it's, it's part of the process. I think when we too often engage in behaviors that aren't going to serve us, that are going to constantly numb, then we're not allowing the healing process to happen. The healing process is nonlinear. It's going to go in different cycles. Sometimes you're going to feel totally fine, like everything's flowing, everything's great. And then you will have those moments where things aren't feeling cohesive and they're not flowing and you might stumble a little bit, but the idea is to pick yourself back up and not berate yourself when it happens. Yeah. Well, that's where the mind- mindfulness practice comes in, right? Did you notice you, you have these thoughts? Start again. And I, you know, and I think, Matt, I would suggest in addition to all that Rosie just said is also like, you know yourself better than anyone. Like I know if I start a day with a walk or if I start the day journaling, if I start the day in a, like a better place, I have a better shot for the day going well. So look for the things that work for you and then be kind and forgive yourself when you have to start over again. Because it, because you will. We all do. Yeah. All of these questions that we've answered today from Colleen to Matt to Ned, it's all interconnected. Everything I touches know. everything. We there's so these things that we go through in life, they're so universal and we can all relate in some way shape or form and I think that the more we realize that we're having this collective experience and people are here to support you, people understand you. I think it's going to help us cope with any sort of emotional issues that we have in the future. That's such a nice way to say it, Rosie. It's like that we're all part of this community through experience. Well said. Woo, Rosie. I mean, that was that was intense, but it was absolutely beautiful. I mean, I am always struck by no matter how many problems people are facing, that there is always help in the form of love and community and therapeutic tools. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I, I've said this before. I say it every time. I love this community so much. And I, I think it's really important for us to really focus on how we're all going through the same things together. 
Absolutely. All right. Well, I would like to thank all of our callers today, Colleen, Ned, and Matt. Thank you for trusting us with your questions. And if you are listening at home and you heard something that sparked a question for you, I say don't be shy. We would love to hear from you with all of your questions. Just head over to sayhi.chat slash dearheadspace to record your question. And of course, that link is always in the show notes. And if we use your question in a show, you are going to get three months of Headspace for free. Yes, please reach out to us with your questions. That's what we're here for. And one last thing before we go, we've built in a moment or two so you can transition before you get your day started. This is some time to reflect on what you just experienced and settle your mind. So here are some sounds of a fire by a campsite. As you listen to crackling fire, let your mind do whatever it wants to do. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and be kind to each other. Dear Headspace is a Headspace Studios original podcast. It's produced by Robin Hopkins, Ash Jones, and Scott Sorensen. It's executive produced by Morgan Selzer, Sarah Cohn, Baron Farmer, and Danny Christamy. Our production coordinator is Taylor Jennings-Brown. It's hosted and produced by Robin Hopkins, Kesanga Giscombe, Dora Kamau, Samantha Snowden, Eve Lewis Prieto, and Rosie Acosta. Post-production is by Dan Kroll, Music is by Scott Sorensen and Chris Mergia. And a special thanks to Colleen Lutz.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.